Well, we're back here, and thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, this is the EFTM podcast, and this is another edition of In the Man Cave. Bowen, Chris Bowen from EFTM.com, muttering editor, joins me. G'day, mate. G'day, Trev. Looking forward to this one. Well, this is fun. I, I, we, we, we created a breakaway here, um, which has uh, started as an interview series, which, you know what, we had great feedback from the first mm. episode, which was uh, Baby John Burgess. I was in Perth uh, last week. I got to see Burjo. Mm. He he loved it. He enjoyed it. Good. He's asked for all the feedback. He wants copies of all the written correspondence. <laughs> That's just the kind of man he is. Yeah. Um, but uh, big thank you to John Burgess. And we, we have got a few great ones lined up, and we do really want people to just inspire us, give us some ideas. We, we can't guarantee we're going to get everyone. Some mm. people suggested crazy international stars, and we might be a little bit off that yet. John Farnham, I think, will be a great get for you personally. It'll be a milestone in your life. And if we can make it I'd happen, I'd probably Drew, retire. You'd probably retire. I'd probably pull the pin. Yeah. But do you reckon I should just text Wheat? Just ring someone. Oh, yeah. I've got Wheatley's number. Well, there you go. There's your in. He think I, I'm probably in his phone as Pest. He actually owns a certain radio station we were aligned with in oh, Sydney 2CH. Well, part of his organisation does. And look, there may well be a very clear bent to these interview series yes. early on um, because we've only got certain contacts and we've worked so long in, mm. in, in the radio industry. And we have, you know, we, we associate with a bunch of people. So you'll find a theme through mm. the early parts of these interviews because of who we know and who we've worked with. But for episode two, <laughs> I do think we may have gone too high. Yeah. You know when, you, when you're meant to build up to things? Absolutely. Um, we've set the standard very high early. Uh, and look, to be honest, there'd be some people out there who find our next guest uh, a little irrelevant, potentially, mm-hmm. or they're just not across him, or they're not interested in radio like we are. And you know what? Too bad. Radio is a passion of ours, so talking to someone of this calibre is simply remarkable to us. Pr- pr- uh, primarily, uh, mm. Brisbane, um, Sydney, mm. the, and New South Wales and Queensland, because mm. of where his audience has been over many, many decades. So. Mm. You're spot on. If you're listening uh, mm. from other states, some of this may not be relevant to you, but hopefully there's something in it for you. Mm. The bottom line is uh, he's iconic. He is a voice that is recognisable nationally because of the promotional work that he did, let alone mm. the radio work. And without any question, mm. just his theme song is a very clear indication of who he is. John Laws, welcome to the EFTM podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. We run a website, John. It's called EFTM, Everything for the Man. It stands for it's uh, Cars, Technology and Lifestyle. So when it comes to cars, I don't think there'd be many people in Sydney who've amassed such a collection of cars over time. Tell me about what you currently drive. Haven't got a lot at the minute because I haven't got a lot of room. (laughs) I've got... uh, uh, a couple of Rolls Royces, mm. and a convertible or drophead coupe, as they call it. Uh, that's a Phantom drophead coupe. Mm. And I've got a Phantom saloon. I've got a Bentley uh, Continental and a couple of other Ferrari mm. and a couple of other things. You had a Fiat 500 Ferrari edition at one yeah. point? Yeah, I loved that. Yeah? I loved that. I obviously bought it for fun, and it was fun. But I... I uh, I traded it on the Ferrari, mm. and I'm not sure I did the right thing. I think I had more fun in the Fiat. What makes you make the decision on a particular car, like the little Fiat, the Ferrari edition, obviously very limited, 
does it capture your eye because of the limit limitation of it, or yeah, do you want to, do you want to get behind the wheel and, and feel it? Yeah, and because it's a bit outrageous, you know, it's a, it's a bit of fun. I got it handled like it was on rails. Yeah, and it had the best gearbox, mm. beautiful gearbox. Yeah, what um, you, you mentioned space was an issue now. Back in the day, what was the what was the biggest number in the collection at any one time? Do you remember? Oh, about forty. Wow. Forty. And a lot of those cars featured in those classic Valvoline commercials, um, yeah. where you walked along and and showcased them all. They were actually your cars. I, I spent a bit of time on YouTube overnight watching <laughs> some of those ads, which are online still. Yeah, they're all my cars. Yeah, that was. I assume one of those ads was filmed at Yarramulong, um, where you had uh, yeah. Cloud Valley. That's the yeah. It was filmed at Cloud Valley. Yeah, beautiful. The one where the cars were lined up on the lawn. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So over all the years, is there a favourite though? Was that like picking a favourite? Uh, Anything. <laughs> I really love the, the Phantom Drophead that yeah. I'm driving mm. at the moment. It's a beautiful car. Beautiful car. But I, you know, I've had some that have given a, as much pleasure, but for different reasons. You know, I drove a Volvo in the 1970 uh, Ampole Trial yeah. around Australia. That was terrific fun and a terrific car. I went with a couple of fellas, Jerry Lister was uh, was with me and we had a great drive around australia in what is a great car that mm. volvo was you couldn't kill it with a stick mm. that's funny uh, our first guest on this particular podcast series was john burgess and we had him last week and uh, he himself had a collection of uh, rolls royces during the 80s uh, for some reason he painted one of his yellow uh, you've never gone down that path of really uh, getting a bit zany when it comes to the Rolls-Royce vehicles that you've owned, I'm tipping. You mean John Burgess, the broadcaster? Baby yeah. John Burgess, yes. We had him on last week. Really? I never knew he had a Rolls-Royce. He did. He had several. When he was in Perth, because yeah. um, back in the, in the 80s when he was big in Perth, um, yeah, he had a couple of Rolls over there, yeah. Good. Ferraris too, he loved. Yeah. But then I guess the, the complete opposite question is, uh, was there one that you handed the keys back to pretty much straight away? Something you just went, no, that's not, that's not for me uh, over, the, over the years? Uh, not really, because I've been uh, pretty cautious when yeah. buying motor cars because I didn't buy too many cheap ones. So I, mm. you know, I, I checked them out thoroughly before, before I went ahead with the deal. Mm. So when you're in the car, this is something that fascinates me being, you know, uh, we're, we're both, we have long radio backgrounds. We, we're in the car, we're always listening to the radio. But what does John Laws listen to when you get in the car? Have you got your just favourite CDs that you fall back to or do you flick around the dial on the radio? I tune to ABC Classic yeah. FM. <laughs> Keep it simple. Has that always been the way? Yeah. Even, even back when, um, obviously, there was pretty competitive times in the industry, did you... Do you even care what anyone else is doing or is it just Could nice to, to break away point. from what you were doing in your show? <laughs> no, I don't, don't care. Do. Your career, it seems to me, you've just fallen into roles. Uh, you, weren't, you didn't have a, a great level of ambition. Uh, uh, things just unfolded and you became from the, a bush DJ, a music DJ, and then evolved into a talk radio host. Is that how it's played out? You, you didn't set strategic targets throughout your no, career? No, no. Yeah. No, people tell me I was totally devoid of ambition. <laughs> You've gone all right for someone lacking ambition, <laughs> I must say. Yeah, well. <laughs> what, what bigger role do people like? Uh, we worked with John Brennan for a long time um, back in the day. Mm. You know, people like him uh, obviously, I guess, try to shape the careers of many people. But in people the end, like who? John Brennan. 
Um, oh, yes. Um, in the end, though, really a broadcaster is, is a broadcaster first and foremost. Is, is that an obvious thing when, you, when, when you're looking at your career? If it wasn't for the, the innate talent, the, I guess the, the respect that you have for the audience, that's, that's essentially what makes you successful, do you think? Uh, yes, I think that that's very important. I think it's very important. Uh, I love the audience. Mm. I love the microphone. So, mm. you know, I, I always feel as though I'm really only talking to one person, mm. yeah. uh, which, which suits me. It's the way I, I like to do it. Uh, you know, the program's very personal, yeah. and they tell me personal things, so I'd like to keep it that way, yeah. Do you think sometimes they get caught off guard with that? Like, we'll, you listen to, to your callers, and some of them are... So some of them are zany, some of them are just passionate, like farmer. I was listening this morning, uh, Farmer Jim, I think it is, you know, yeah. people who I, I feel like it's a, it's a super personal close connection they've got through that one phone number. Is that the genuine beauty of talk radio? I think it's one of the beauties of talk radio. And I think that another was when I first started doing it, and I was the first to start doing it, hmm. um, Australians weren't very articulate. They, they weren't good at having a chat. They, mm. they get tongue-tied and just couldn't put the words together as fluently as uh, a lot of other people like Americans could. Right. You know, when I first started doing talk radio, Americans were so far ahead when it came to conversing, not necessarily on radio, but con mm. just conversing. You know, they always had something to say. Yeah. Australians weren't like that, but they are now. You know, they've learned how to play the game and they play it well. Mm. The future of Talkback Radio, John, um, you know, we have obviously 2GB in Sydney, which has been dominant for any number of years now, but that will eventually come to an end, um, as all good things do. You say you don't listen to other talent as you leave the, the 2SM studios here. Where do you think the future is headed, though? I mean, in terms of a talent pool, when the likes of Alan Jones and, and, and people of his calibre and yourself exit the industry eventually. Where are we headed? Um, the younger generation don't seem to understand talk radio. I don't think they're attracted to it for some reason. They're not as passionate as we are. What are your thoughts well, it on may, that? It may, I don't know, you can't look into the future, yeah. but it may, it may well fade. Mm. Uh, the interest in talk radio may well fade. But I think so long as you give people an opportunity to express their opinion, they're going to take it. Mm. And it's much easier than writing a letter to the editor, which may or may not be published. Mm. Speaking of that, I'm, I'm a tech guy, it's what I do, and, and we, we talk a lot about technology here, but I look back on the early days of the internet, and from my mind, Fortress at Aussie Mail, which was your email address back in yeah. late 90s, I'm tipping, felt absolutely pioneering at the time. Did that, did that change a lot about the way you did radio because you had these net notes coming in as yeah. opposed to having to go to every single cause to get those opinions? Uh no, yeah, yeah, I suppose it did. It's uh, it certainly made it a lot more convenient, mm -hmm. but it's also allowed people to uh, distance themselves from uh, from uh, interrogation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you, you want a politician and he doesn't want to be wanted, he'll just send you a, a net note, an email. And I guess people, the the average punter out in the in the bush is the same you know yeah. you had a call this morning talking about uh, catholicism and uh, the history of the world essentially <laughs> um you know if that was an email it would have gone on forever and you probably wouldn't have used it but actually it was quite entertaining to listen to because of one of the tricks of the trade which which i'm pretty sure you pioneered if not you're the you're the key user of which is the mute to call button 
It's yeah. a it's a spectacular bit of technology that allows you to talk to your audience without the caller listening. Do you enjoy yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, I came up with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's found in actually a lot of radio studios now, and you did pioneer that, and certain people still use it to this day. And speaking of, you know, things that you did pioneer, my memory of you stems from 2UE. Um, you know, I'm 38, so I grew up in the 80s and my grandparents were avid listeners and I, I recall hearing your voice in the background constantly and then becoming a fan in the 90s. 2UE's changed a lot. In fact, 2UE's disappeared in recent times. It's now a sports station after going through a lifestyle format as well. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you have any sort of affinity and attraction still to, to, yeah, to the I old think, TUE? I think it's disgraceful. Yeah. When I was uh, when I was at TUE and the Lamb family owned it, mm. they had a little little notice, it wasn't big, mm. just a little thing yeah. on the wall, TUE always at or about the top. Mm. Now it's always at or about the bottom. Mm. You know, I think it's a great radio station, got a perfect position on the dial. Yeah. A lot of people lose that about the dial. It's a very important thing in terms of the yeah. frequency, the easiest, the ease, ease of finding something, and you know, nine five four does sit there. So it's quite, it is sad to see an icon, iconic name just disappear from yeah. the landscape. Yeah. Could it ever be brought back? Do you think? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, it yeah, could be. Because of where it is, yeah. yeah. We, uh, it's a little bit, I wouldn't say intimidating to be sitting here in front of you, John, but we both worked at 2GV from 2001 onwards and uh, we were, in terms of opposition, working with a particular host who was up against you in the same time slot, worked with him for 15 years. So to sit here opposite you now <laughs> is a little strange because I guess our sole drive at the time was to overcome the juggernaut that you were. That broadcaster has since obviously continued on his particular reign. What are your thoughts on the likes of 2GB, Alan Jones, uh, Ray Hadley, uh, and the, the format in general uh, in terms of what they're doing over oh, there? I think, well, well I, you know, Alan is a very good broadcaster because mm. uh, Alan is a very good thinker. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, th I think he's terrific. Uh, and I like him very much. He and I get on well, mm. despite popular rumour. Mm. The other fella, uh, in order to have an opinion on somebody you've got to have respect for them mm. uh, so consequently I can't give an opinion on the other fellow then let me ask you about another another great name in the industry but long long running feud I think it's often described as with Bob Rogers who again because we shared the corridors with him for so long you know Bob's to me just a lovely old guy I used to drop him home I used to drop me home because we live near each other are those kind of um, as they're described feuds are they are they just stories or is it the kind of thing where you, you just wouldn't give the time of day to even, you know, worrying about trying to catch up with someone to, you know, bury, bury the hatchet as, as the case may be? No. There, I mean, there, a lot of myths uh, get around. Tell me, is Bob still living at Balmoral? I believe yes. so, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Great house. Yeah, it's huge. I yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, he's got plenty, hasn't he? <laughs> he's he's doing all right, Bob. Yeah. 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 And they're looking out over Balmoral. Right on the yeah. cliff face. There. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about the change in radio, we talked about net notes and emails. Um, people might have seen, in, certainly in the Sydney papers, and I don't know where how, how far and wide those ads go, but... Uh, the station, the city station that you work for, 2SM, which has a, a wide uh, regional network, runs some ads every now and then, um, you know, map the number of million hits and, and views and things you have online. Is it important to you or do you just worry about the show every day and talking to the listeners and let other people deal with the, the bigger, bigger picture of, you know, how successful one can be and, and be, be me measured? I don't even worry about the show. I don't worry about much at all. <laughs> Just enjoy coming in and talking to that individual one one at a time. 
Is that why you still do it? I mean, in the end, you, you're a successful man. You, I'm assuming you don't need to work. So you, you do it because you want to be connected on a daily basis to, yeah, to the I've people got of a, Australia. It's a very good idea to be wanted or needed mm. in your life. And if you sit around thinking you're not wanted or needed, it's a pretty empty kind of life. Mm. Mm. Um, and, of course, I am wanted and, and uh, needed by my close family. But uh, when you're my kind of individual, you need a bit more than that. Mm. And when you leave uh, the studio and go home, um, you know, you, you, you're a bit of... I would it be fair to say you're reclusive these days? Um, you, you enjoy reading. Um, you have a library at home. Um, you lead a relatively quiet lifestyle um, away from the microphone. Relatively quiet, yeah. Yeah. There's a big family to deal with. Yes, that's right. And, uh, uh, you know, I go out a lot, go out a hell of a lot, probably go out too much. Well, you're a prolific luncher. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there'd be any number of pictures in the paper if you were at Willamaloo having lunch uh, with various people. I think recently you caught up with the likes of uh, Brian Henderson. So you obviously yeah. catch up occasionally with uh, people from the past. Yeah, Cole Joy, Brian yeah. Henderson. Yeah, we had a good lunch. <laughs> went, on to, went on for three days. Or <laughs> I don't know how you back up, John. I mean, Sorry. I struggle myself. You had a, a relationship with plenty of prime ministers. Um, would it be fair to say Paul Keating you were closest to um, back yes. in the early 90s? Yeah, I was very close to Paul. Mm. I got on well with Malcolm Fraser. Mm. I liked him very much. And I was as close as you could get to Malcolm Fraser. He, mm. he was fairly aloof. Mm. Uh, but he had a love of motor cars, and I did too. And mm. We used to talk more about cars than politics. Is it strange to get that, even, even though you, you would be well aware of your own success, is it, is it strange to get that direct and immediate connection with someone like that um, on such a personal level uh, after dealing with them professionally on the radio? Uh, no, I didn't, uh, no, I didn't find it complex. And which, which era of radio, of your career, do you think is, is the, I guess, the golden era of talkback? Do you think that right now your ability to just come in and enjoy your day and enjoy talking to everyday people is is more enjoyable than, I'm assuming, back in the, the heady high days of 2UE when there was sales pressure and advertising pressure at, at a different level. Was that more or less enjoyable than now? Yes, it's more enjoyable now. Yeah. Because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> because, John, think- it's very corporate now, isn't it? Um, there's yeah. a lot of bean counters in the industry which are acting as almost content... They call them content directors these days instead of program directors. So it's changed dramatically. And it's good to see someone of your, your vintage say that. Uh, you simply what, don't what care. What do they call them? Not program directors. Content, content directors, directors mm-hmm. John. Content directors. That's the, the latest buzz term. I'm tipping if a content director came into you and said, John, um, <laughs> could you wrap up the callers a bit sooner? You'd have simple words for them, really, wouldn't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I guess that's the great thing about having this... And that's, uh, that essentially is what gets you up every day is because you do have that simplicity, that, that simple approach where you can just come and do your own show with your own team um, and, and work in the fortress as you want to without the, any, any strings attached, essentially. Is that the yeah, way you see it? Yeah, no interference. Mm. Was it ever like that back in the day? Or, or, like, did it start out that way and then get I never to remember point? being too restricted. Mm. Mm. I remember, you know, management saying, hang on, you've, when I was talking about Vietnam War and things, mm. and, you know, you better just yeah. back off a little there. But, but I never remember being too restricted or being told what to say. And if I was told what to say, it would be highly likely I wouldn't say it. Mm. Mm. 
you've had a lot of bosses. You mentioned the Lamb family, and uh, now you work for the Super Network and, and Bill Corrales. Uh, where does he fit in the uh, the scheme of things? Um, well, he's, he's, he's an elusive character, evasive. Uh, I don't think I've ever spotted a picture of him, to be honest. No one has. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. Yeah. yeah. Mm. He's good. He's a, he's a real character. What, um, what is John Law's signature? Aside from your intro and your outro, what is your signature technique? Do you, do you think you, you could identify one, or, or is that really something for observers like us to, to reflect on? And by the way, it was absolutely fascinating and... And a, and a real honour to just sit here and watch you at work for an hour. Is there something that you think is your signature or is it just, just day-to-day for you? Yeah, just just happens. Because mm. I would argue almost mute to call. Because I, I think I heard you just in the last two days use mute to call five or six times with people. You know, just a simple, is this, what, what is this bloke on about? Or the simple off-the-cuff remarks that yeah. really make people feel like... Because essentially, we at home are, are probably yelling the same thing at the radio, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. And that's what you're trying to do is make us, so, yes. yeah. make us feel like we're in the same place yeah, as you. Yeah. But you still give them the, the rope to, to talk and enjoy themselves and, and have their say. It's, not it's hap- good fun. It doesn't happen anywhere else in radio, and I think that's what's unique about it. Yeah. Um, uh, any any, any, any uh, desire at the moment for another car? Anything taking your eye right now? Because the, the problem with owning a Ferrari and owning a Rolls is... Those dealers, those importers, those those businesses know that you've got them and you love them. So you'd you'd get calls regularly. I'm tipping from the Trevettes people or whoever. Yeah, we um, we yeah, occasionally okay. not a lot. Yeah, not a lot because you're going to do better. You know, a Phantom Saloon and a Phantom Convertible. It's true. Good luck. Yeah. What oh, we, we have driven the Ghost, incidentally, and the Wraith. Have you have you looked at the Wraith? That's a, the, a with great the car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't like it really because of the fastback. But mm. I get used to it. Yeah. Then what do you think of the Rolls-Royce um, four-wheel drive SUV that's planned? I have no idea. Bentley have done one. Yeah, yes. it's awful. Mm. Looks awful in my view. Yeah. I just think that's the point. That's the problem with a Rolls-Royce being a four-wheel drive. It's not a Rolls-Royce anymore. Or, no. or is, is a Rolls-Royce just a... I mean, when we first drove a Rolls-Royce, it was obviously out of this world uh, with excitement. But mm. the, the, I just remember the ride being just like gliding over everything. It was just so smooth. Very light steering. Uh, if a Rolls-Royce SUV had that same feeling, would it be a Rolls-Royce and would you consider one? I wouldn't consider one because I don't need one. Mm. Yeah. I don't think anyone needs an SUV, but they still buy them. Yeah, the women in Darling Point buy them. There's plenty getting around. Is there, you is can't there, drive them. Is there a car you can't stand the look of out on the roads when you drive by them? Is there? Oh, yeah, that BMW. Oh, the like X6. 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 It'd be the X6. Really high back and SUV looking thing. Mm. Ugly looking thing. And yeah. I think there's a Mercedes that looks almost identical. Mm. Yeah, I don't like either of them. I think they're both ugly. Mm. Well, um, we don't want to keep you for too long. I do have one question. You, you, you speak regularly to Kyle Sanderlands, uh, who works over at KISS on one of the FM networks. Do you think someone like him, and we'll talk about the future of Talkback Radio earlier, could make the jump uh, from music jock essentially into the world of talkback i think i think uh, kyle's got a lot of talent mm. i think he's uh, i think he's smart and i guess he could i mean it's yeah i i would think he could do that 
Because he's one of the few that can operate the panel, um, and he's come through the ranks. Um, he, he can push all the buttons. He, he understands the industry. If you're not a fan, that's fine. But just listening to him, you you know that he understands exactly how it all works. So that's the only reason why I proposed that idea. And I wonder on the same note, is there a part of the showmanship to yeah. what he does that would... I mean, to me, he... he if Stan Zamanik was still doing a nighttime radio show, Carl Sandilands could could take over from him in a heartbeat. It's a very similar, I guess, character. It feels like a lot of it is bravado and and, and performance, which is you know essentially what Stan Zamanik was as well. They would, they would have a great place in talk radio today, I think. The best thing about those two that you've mentioned is they both openly admit that they copied everything I did. <laughs> so obviously, I can't be critical of them. Down, right down to the cars. <laughs> right down to the cars. Yeah, exactly. John Laws, it's been an absolute pleasure being inside the fortress and uh, we wish you well with your, the rest of your career and we, uh, it's an honour to be here in the, in the studio. Okay, well, it's wonderful. Anytime you want to come back, come back. This is the EFTM podcast. Bowen, I'm still shaking. I was shaking throughout that. Uh, we were holding microphones. We brought our own little kit along. They were a bit heavy, let's be honest. And they were heavy. <laughs> My hair was very tired towards the end of it. But look, I mean, just to paint the picture... We rock up to 2SM, which was a legendary station in Sydney yep. uh, throughout the 70s, early 80s. It is uh, a shadow of its former self now. It's a multi-story building, which basically now occupies one level. And John Laws basically has a studio that uh, is a former boardroom. Yeah, because obviously 2SM existed before John Laws came mm. along, especially in its current iteration. And you can imagine Mr. Yep. Laws, uh, when he signed a contract, said, well, this is what I need. Yes. And the space has to be this. And yeah. the studios were not perhaps to his standard. Mm. We didn't see them. But so they've literally fitted out what, what you clearly mm. used to be the boardroom uh, mm. as his studio, his fortress. And yeah. so, you, as you said, we rocked up early and we asked if we could come in early because mm. we're radio nerds. Mm. Uh, mate. They sat us down in the studio. Instantly, during the 11 o'clock news, we were dragged into the studio. I thought we'd be sitting outside, you know, looking through the window. We were sitting in the studio, in the fortress, (laughs) while he took calls. I actually couldn't really see him because I was seated behind a number of a bank of screens, which are in my studio. So I could see the top of his head and a portion of the golden microphone. I'm sitting there texting you for over an hour going, is this happening? And plus, we're about to interview this guy when he finishes at midday. It was truly yeah. remarkable. And the studio was very well done, actually. actually it's, yeah. it's a huge panel, massive desk, and it's a dorm with you know lots of artwork and pictures of him with celebrities and uh, boxing gloves, probably signed by Muhammad Ali. We should have checked that out, yeah. actually. Um, he, he likes the finer things in life, right down to the cutlery set he was using and the teacups. Look, uh, I it was it was exactly what I thought it would be, actually. Actually, yeah. to be honest, having worked with enough people in the industry mm. of, of that caliber that you mm. know they're they're, uh, they're spe- specific about what they want. But mm. you know what? I I found it absolutely relaxing. Mm. I found a very relaxed approach to the show. Um, and he, he obviously talked about that when he when he basically said he's just doing it because he loves talking to people. Mm. Um, it wasn't a fast-paced, crazy, hectic environment. Mm. I bloody loved sitting there, to be honest, watching it happen for an hour. Well, as he said, he's simply doing it for his own pleasure. And look, radio stations that are at their peak, such as 2GB in Sydney, are frenetic. There's people running around everywhere. There's a busy newsroom. There's multiple producers. And there's huge commercial pressure. Huge, huge pressure, absolutely. And as uh, Mr. Laws said during that interview, he simply doesn't give a rat's or words to that effect. So it was nice. It was calming. And, you know, he still operates the panel. He pushes the buttons. He's calling the shots on the run, uh, you know, requesting information here and yeah. there. But it's just operating at a different level. Yeah, look, 
it was a great experience. We are genuinely honoured to have been able to sit in his presence mm. doing a, doing a radio show to, to witness it and for him to give us out give us our time. We didn't know whether we'd get five minutes or an hour. And frankly, I think we kicked ourselves out. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I, I was sort of keeping an eye on him and one of his uh, well, his personal assistant who was great to us. We didn't really know how much time we had with him, so there were times possibly during that interview where. Maybe we just strayed a little away from what we were talking about. That's simply because we were in the presence of the great man. But look, at one point he said, look, we've got plenty of time. And I think you're right. We may have wrapped ourselves up. But look, what we got out of him, I think was okay. I think it was fun. I hope it was insightful. I hope it was interesting. Um, look, uh, genuinely, I would love to hear from people who both had no idea who he was and thought it was great or not. Mm. I don't, don't care. Just let us know what you thought. But I'd also love to hear from people who either grew up listening to Lawsy or are certainly aware of him. And I'd love to know... What you thought? Um, we're not trying to approach this from an Andrew, Den- Andrew Denton point no. of view. We're just trying to enjoy a, a relaxed, casual conversation with with great people. And the we we probably have gone off early here with the whole series because <laughs> he is the the king of cars. Yeah. Um, and some of our future guests really, you know, it, it, there won't be a lot of talk about cars mm. and tech because it's more about their life. But there's always Jay Leno loves cars. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he, sweet. No let's hit him up. <laughs> let's hit him up. Howard Stern. I reckon he'd be doing as well. Look, I loved it. It was a great chat. He was very giving of his time. He was very generous with his words. Mm. Um, and you know what I, I respect most is he was he, he didn't take any opportunity on or off air mm. to essentially take liberties with the with the whole industry that we work in. He was just honest. He, he was, was just honest. honest the whole way through. And you know what? He, he didn't know us from a bar of soap. No, he, he's probably he, still asking. Who were those two? <laughs> those two blokes again? Anyway, Jody, his PA did um, did say, "Were you the Bowen?" Uh, yeah, which yes. was cool. I oh, no, used to be in radio, Jody. No, so you were, and she, <laughs> she she doesn't probably doesn't know I was in radio. She just sees me on the Today Show. Yeah. But it was great to chat to him. We enjoyed it. Hope you did too. And uh, we have some really cool names coming up um, from certainly the TV industry, and hopefully some many more radio as well. Let us know your suggestions. Uh, hit us up at EFTM, at the Bowen, mm-hmm. at Trevor Long. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. If you're on iTunes, leave a rating and a review. Uh, let other people know what you thought. Um, and if you're listening on a Virgin Australia plane, as many are, uh, many millions of people are flying Virgin Australia each and every month. Great to have your company, and hopefully you're enjoying what we're putting out. And you be kind to each other.